for this morning. Let's uh, let's move on. And my guest on Book Club this morning is a true survivor. Uh, she's a self-published author and her book, Unleashing Pain, The Changing Gears, had me gripped from start to finish. I didn't put it down until until I'd finished. Uh, it's a very emotional book. It's a difficult book at times, detailing the abuse that she suffered at the hands uh, of an uncle from the age of just six years old. Uh, and the book, as I say, is called Unleashing Pain, The Changing Gears by Nonzokiso Dibella. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. When did you decide to write this book? It's called Unleashing Pain, The Changing Gears. Uh, I decided to write the book a year ago. Yes. And what inspired you to write? I would say I was inspired by my past um, that I went through and um, living in a society that has high um, rate of crime, that inspired me as well to write the book. Had you always been a writer? No, this is my first time. And how is the experience for you? Because as somebody who has written a book, it's, it's tough, eh? <laughs> it is tough, eh? But I would say I enjoy the journey. Uh, because it was part of the healing, so I enjoyed writing the book. And we'll talk about the the healing and from what uh, in just a bit. So you were raised in the Eastern Cape. Tell us about the your first home in the Eastern Cape. I was raised in the Eastern Cape, uh, my my first home, uh, before I was adopted. Um, I was living in a house full of uh, cousins, full of grandmothers, full of grandfathers. But I, I enjoyed living there. And you say in your book that there were like three three women there, but you didn't actually know which one was really your mom for a while. Yes, that is correct. There were three women. Uh, one was my great granny, but I didn't know at that time that she was my great granny. And one was my great mother, sorry, my grandmother and my mother. And how did you eventually come to realize which one was mom? I think the bond uh, spoke for itself. I didn't, uh, I was never told that she was my mom, but I somehow figured out that she was my mom. And you used to follow her around? Yes, everywhere she goes. Tell us a little bit more about the uh, the village where you grew up. What kind of place was it? It's a, it's a, rural, it's a rural area, um, a very quiet place. Um, there's not, nothing much that I can say about it, but it's a lovely place. Peaceful? Very peaceful. And I love how you describe in the book that it's it really has this sense of community and everyone knows everyone else very deeply that and everyone correct. also knows what everyone else is yes. doing. And every mother in the village is for every child. Yeah. Yes. And you remember there's a sentence in there where you talk about uh, you see a guy like watching sheep and you think, well, these must all be his sheep, but actually they're... For the whole community. For the whole community. Yes. Yeah. So just talk a little bit about the dynamic that was in the house. So you were there. It was your grandfather's house, which was a, a, yes, it a, a was big my house. Grandfather's house. Uh, and you lived there with, with your mom. No mention of the father, although I'll get to that in just a minute. Um, but your mom had a disability. Yes. What was actually, because you don't describe in the book specifically. Do you know to this day what it was? Um, her disability. Um, she told me, though um, the story is a bit weird, but gaining more knowledge from her condition, she had a polio. Okay. Yes. Do you want to talk about, I don't want to give too much away, but there's an incident in the book that she, that she uses to explain what happened. Yes. Um, she was about eight years old, if I'm correct, and she was going to school, apparently on her way with the other kids. 
she saw some weird woman lying on the road. The other one looked at her with the red eyes, like bloody eyes. And then from there, she collapsed and she became unconscious. And she, that was the reason that she told you she had this disability. Yes. But she ran a spaza shop from, uh, from your grandfather's house uh, and people used to come and go. How did your friends react to the fact that your mom had this disability? I wouldn't say they reacted badly. Um, I didn't know because I was, I was still young. But I think everyone accepted her condition except for those other people that were mocking her uh, disability. Mm. Mm. Yes. And did you find that you wanted to be her protector? Definitely. I wanted to be her protector because I could see that um, she was struggling to, to move around. And I was actually around to help her where she can't reach. So one day you're at home and your aunt arrives. And, yes. and everything kind of, ch- people are running around and making sure that there's like what you would say Christmas food at different yes. at the, this time of year. Yes. Tell me a bit about your aunt. Um, my aunt, a very loving um, woman, I would say. She was very famous in my village. Though she stay in the other side of the town, but she would visit now and then and everyone in the village loved her. She was this woman that... I would say like a celebrity, if I could put it that way. Um, she was also driving a Cressida. Everyone loved her Cressida. And every, every time she arrives, everyone would just come in to see her. So your aunt was uh, considered a celebrity yes. uh, in, in the village. And her husband would also turn up. Yes, um, she was a uh, taxi business owner. Though we, I didn't know him that much by that time. But he was also... Um, regarded as a celebrity man everyone loved him my aunt um, loved her and um, my my uncles as well they loved him very much and your your grandmother also. and my grandmother very much he, uh, he was like a son to him do you think that it was largely because they had uh, they had come up they had money they had wealth they had a, a house outside of yeah I would say her wealth played a role um because they are they they I would say I don't know how to put it this, but yeah, I would say her wealth played a role, yeah, yes, and initially, you don't like her, my aunt, yes, at first, um, I would say he was a bit rude because he didn't want me to be around elders when she speaks, so every time she speaks, I had to be doing something else or just outside the room and I had to live that life. And she would send you out of the room? Out of the room, especially if I'm actually looking at the elders while they speak. You know, when sometimes people are speaking, you don't control yourself. You find yourself looking at them and she hated that very much Mm -hmm. and she would just chase me out out of the room. What happened? Because one day she, she comes to you and everything's changed. Yeah, I think she realized at some stage that I was bit, I was scared of her and she, she decided to change. I don't know what changed in her, but for that particular day, I noticed someone was very loving and very caring. She loved me very much. 
We're joined in studio this evening by Nonzakiso Dibella, who is the author of the book Unleashing Pain, The Changing Gears. It's a self-published, self-published book? It is a, a self-published, self-published book. book. And, and I completed it in literally a, a matter of hours. I couldn't put it down. Uh, so you grew up in the Eastern Cape in a small village. The house that you grew up in was owned by your grandfather. Yes. You lived with your grandmother, your grandfather and your mom. Yes. Uh, and then some, one day your aunt turns up. Uh, and she turns up with her husband. And there's a lot of expectation uh, around them turning up. And they keep coming back and, and forth and back and forth. And then one day, your mother, who you adore, yes, says, you're going to go and live with them. Yes. I, I believe that was a harsh decision, decision that they, they took. Um, though I, I never knew what drove her to take that decision. But she, she said I was going to have a bright future with them. But you were devastated. I was devastated. I wanted to be there with him, with her, with my mother, but unfortunately, I had no say. D- and did you understand? How old were you at this time? I was six. <clears throat> Just I was six. six yes. And you write so beautifully in the book about that the idea that you didn't know, and you, you must have done something wrong. It must be because you've been bad that you're being sent away. I, I thought uh, that's what I concluded to myself because I didn't know why. All of a sudden, they decided that I was not fit to stay with my mother. I had to stay with my aunt. So you move in uh, with your aunt, and it's a very different life. Just describe the two contrasts between living where you grew up and moving to your aunt and uncle. Okay. My um, aunt's home was a bit of a suburb, and everyone there was living a high life. Like everyone from from where I, 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 I was born, it was a total different lifestyle. So I had to adapt to, to that kind of lifestyle. It was not easy. And you'd gone from uh, sort of, and I, I love that you talk about having uh, your Christmas food and then going to your aunt where you had Christmas food every, every day. day. My, my, my aunt was a, a very good cooker in the kitchen. She would cook lovely stuff that I didn't know um, how to pronounce them. And I didn't know exactly what kind of food it was, but she was a great cooker. And you were sent to school. Yes. And you wanted to go to school. Yes, I was eager to go to school. But something was happening with you. Something was happening to the innocent child that you had grown up in and you were becoming a bit of a smart aleck. Yes. Um, I think I was kind of finding my... I wanted to find my foot in that kind of environment. And the people around in that that village were were influencing my... uh, I would say my, my... the person that I was, and I had to change. Um, I become a snob. Mm. Yes. What was that about? Why did you? Why do you think you became a snob? Because I wanted to find my feet, and I had to stand on my own. And I wanted people to see this other person now who was living in this kind of environment that I was not used to. But even in that environment, you weren't accepted. Um, they talked about your complexion. They called you Umlungu. There was a whole... Yeah, they called me everything they want to. Yeah. And that didn't sit well with me. Though I never reported them uh, to my aunt because she was going to deal with them right away. Uh, I kept that inside me, but it was destroying me inside. And that would be the start of, of how you would live your life, event, essentially, which is to keep things inside you. Keep inside me. Keep things inside me. I want to read a part from your book, but before we get to that, I just want to, uh, I, I want to go through through what what 
was happening at at home. Initially, your relationship with your uncle or your your uh, aunt's husband. I mean, he would spoil you. He was fond of you. He would leave chocolate under the pillow. Yes, he was like that at the beginning. Um, I felt like I was, I was the, I was her, I was her child. I was sorry, I was his child, and um, that was the beginning of everything. And just to to kind of put it into context, you would return very occasionally uh, to to the village where you where you were born and where you grew up. But the the link between you and your mom, your biological mother, mm-hmm. it it started to change to change. Yeah, it started to change. I guess I was used to my aunt now as my mother, and the relationship between me and my mom was slowly uh, dissolving. I was becoming distanced from her. You wrote about a time where she came to visit you and your aunt sent you out to go and get something. And when you yes, came back, that was the gone. only time she I remember visiting me. And I was I thought that she was there to fetch me. I was so happy. Then the next thing I was sent to the other room to fetch something. When I returned, she was not there. She hadn't said. Yeah, I, I thought I was drumming. I thought she, she was not she was not there. And. Yeah, she was there, but she left. How did you process that at such a young age? It was very difficult because I, w- I was hoping that maybe she finally realized that I was not copying the environment that I was living in. But unfortunately, that was the other way around. She was just there to visit me, and it ended there. Were you angry with your aunt at that point? I was not really angry with her. I was, I would say I was angry with myself because I was devastated and... I don't know. I didn't know how to feel by then. You talk about your uncle and and the type of person that he was and how you would be able to sort of walk around town and you would get taxi rides and people would... You almost became part of the celebrity that they they experienced. Um, But one day something happened. Yes. Can you tell us what happened? What he did. Mm. Um... It was the first time I experienced what he did. And at the same time, I was not sure if he was in his right mind. I was sleeping in my bed. I had this small bedroom. I was sleeping in my bed like I always do. And then he came to my bed. And he started to touch me in my private parts. I felt uh, like I was uncomfortable. And I mean, he assured me that he was not going to harm me. But actually he did. And then from that day, I was never the same person that I was again. And what age were you then? I was eight. Eight years old? Yes. And he raped you every day for a year? Yes. How does a child begin to to process that? And you talk about it in the book in how you do that. Essentially becoming a different, a a totally different child, uh, becoming quite rude is that what your coping mechanism was? Yeah, it was my coping mechanism. Though at that time I I didn't know how to name my, my feelings. Like I was this person that I cannot describe because I was I was too young. But growing up now I can I can define how I felt by that time. You write from that day on I just stopped living. I was the walking dead. I knew deep down inside that my life was never going to be the same again. That is correct. You never told your aunt? I never told my aunt. Um, I, I thought telling, you, telling her was going to be the waste of time. 
my aunt had her her marriage issues and telling her what I was going through was going to add more stress to her and I didn't want to see her going under a lot of stress. And by this time, uh, your aunt had her, as you said, she had her own issues. She was a Sangoma? Sorry? Was she, a, she was a Sangoma? Yes, she was a Sangoma. Yeah. Uh, and But she'd also started to drink very heavily. Very heavily. She was an alcoholic. I think her marriage issues, though she was not talking about her issues, were the reason she became an alcoholic. And she associated herself with some friends that were also alcoholic. And they would come to the house and drink. Every day, yes. And before long, you would start to go in and sort of finish up the, the yeah, drinks. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I thought, I look at them and I saw that when they, into, when they are intoxicated, they just go to a different world. And I also wanted to be in that different world as well because um, I was not feeling okay inside. I think we were in the same league. So drinking their brandy was sort of putting me in their world as well. I just want to read another part um, that I just, I found very, I mean, the the whole book is very is very emotional and, and at times very difficult uh, to read. And this is after you, you start drinking. Uh, you said, I wanted to be part of their world as well. It appeared to be harmonious and exciting. I would giggle aloud while drinking away all my melancholy. Within a few minutes, after a few sips, their world would welcome me with open arms as if it were waiting for me to comfort me. Everything would start spinning around. My mind would ease a bit as if there was a door that had flown open and allowed air to flow in. My body would lose its balance as my feet trembled as if the ground underneath me was floating. Eventually I would doze off. My aunt's condition became even more despondent and she never bothered to tell me what was eating her. I could see that she was trying so hard to keep herself together to convince everyone that she was doing fine. But underneath her strong personality, there was a silver lining that displayed her weariness. She spent most of her days doing shopping, buying expensive things, things that she didn't even need. She bought them just to ease her anxiety. Some of the things that she bought, she didn't even know that she'd bought them. The only thing that kept her sane that she bought from her shopping spree was her exquisite perfume collection, expensive brands with different scents neatly arranged in her bedroom. No wonder I still love perfumes. I loved imitating her in front of the mirror and mingling in those scents. When I was indoors, she did not seem to mind when I used her things, no matter how expensive they were. She knew that I loved to explore and she would tolerate this, even if it meant my messing up her belongings. It was as if she was protecting me from the nastiness of the world. Little did she know that the predator lived indoors. I withdraw even deeper into myself to find a better emolument for my tired soul. I became even more lonely. I distanced myself from everyone. Yes, that's the life I lived. (sighs) At eight years old. At the age of eight. And you know, you seem to have a great insight into what is going on. The the understanding that your aunt is trying to fix the stuff within her Mm -hmm. with external things. Yeah. Yes. Tell us then, you you became, suddenly you acquired some siblings. Yes. Um, my my cousins, I would say, because they were from my mom, mother's cousins, um, they joined us. There were two of them. One was a, a boy and then the other one was a girl. And I became very close with the girl. We were like sisters. She was like a sister that I never had. 
and she would do stuff for me, like cooking, washing and everything. So I enjoyed having her in the home. Somebody else came and lived with yes. you. Um, my, hus- my, my aunt's husband, I think they were brothers or something, but it was the family of, of his side. And one day you, you bring a friend home from school and he beckons you into the room. Yes. And he takes her in and you can hear her crying. Yes. And then he pulls you in. He pulled me in. And what happened? And then he raped me. That's when I realized that my friend was also raped, was also being raped as well. Though she never told me what was going on behind the closed door. But after what happened to me, then I concluded that she was also raped as well. As a child, at the age of eight, when we don't have a concept of what rape is we don't have a concept of what sex is what did you think was happening I I didn't know like I said I didn't know how to name everything that was happening I just felt like something wrong was happening though I didn't know what it is it's only now that I'm old enough that I'm able to tell that that what happened to me when I was eight was a rape but at that time I didn't know you spend a lot of time with your aunt still Yes. You still love her? Very much. She was everything. She was everything to yes. you. And you go with her sometimes to uh, where, where she's also going with other Sangomas. And yes, their traditional um, gatherings. And how did you feel about that? Um, uh, I never enjoyed their gatherings, I must say. Though I admired the way they they were dressing. But, I mean, uh, some other people in that in those gatherings were were very rude. Like they didn't acknowledge that there were kids inside the room. They would just bust out and say whatever language they prefer to say. Everyone around you had a had a relationship with God. Yes. And was very religious. Yes. But you didn't you you didn't believe that or not that you didn't believe in a God, but you didn't I, I think would that say he, I, he loved you. Yeah, I, I would say I didn't believe in him. Um, what influenced that is because my aunt was a traditional healer. So it was now and then that she would call her ancestors. So I never had that relationship with God. And by the time I realized that he was, God was alive, but then it was, it was too late for me. Like I was already in a bad position to believe that he exists. And you write in the book about how, uh, you know, I had an unfinished conversation with with him and he still owed me an explanation. His existence was one of those myths that gave people an illusion of immunity against hardship. If by any chance he was what everyone said, then he would have saved me before my childhood was taken away from me. That's what I believed in. Mm. Yes. I think that was before. Uh, I'm a different person now. I have... Uh, I have established a relationship with him, uh, but I uh, back then that's what I believed in. One day you are sent back to your mother. Your brother and sister go back to their biological to their parents, well. yes. and you are sent back to the village where you were born. Yes, it was very difficult, especially now that we have to break the bond between me and my siblings. And between me and the environment that I was so fond of, like, I loved very much. Um, But I had to pack my things and go. 
It's amazing when you read about how you returned, all the things that you write about in the beginning of the book as being the reasons that you love the village, the smell of the smoke and the smell of the dung. Yes. You suddenly can't stand the smoke. It chokes you. The dung makes you feel ill. Yeah. I think my my mind was twisted because I was used to the uh, suburb that I was living in. Now I had to go back to, to my home now. Now I was not coping at all. What was it like returning back home to to your mom also? I was happy that I was going to mend the broken relationship between me and her. But at the same time, I was scared because at the back of my mind, I had something that says she's going to send you back to someone else because I thought she doesn't want me around her. So I was a bit scared. You develop... um a, a twin that you write about in the book, which is is fascinating. Why? What was? Okay, I, I would say she was a twin, but how I explain it? It's like I had the second body. Um, we like she looked like me. Everything was was of me, but now she was a bit bitter, and um, she know she knew things before where they happened, and yeah. I would say. And this was you? This was me. It's like I was living in two different bodies. Mm. The other body was smoking, um, smoking dacha, smoking cigarette, but on the other side I was not. Mm. Yes, it's it's a bit complicated. No, I, I don't think it's complicated <laughs> at all. I think it's a concept that many, many people will relate to in almost take, having an out-of-body experience and, and it's detachment. It's detachment from the reality of life, I think. Yes. Yeah. Let's move on. You, I want to get to, to essentially the, the towards the end of the book where um, you've grown up, you, you're now 16 years old uh, and you meet a boy, you fall in love as happens and you get pregnant. Yes. And you're, it's your mom that says you're pregnant. Yes. Yeah. And I was scared. The thought of me being a mother and I never had a motherly love myself. So I thought it was going to be very difficult for me to produce love to someone else. You gave birth to your first child, a son. Yes, my son, but unfortunately he passed on. Where did that leave you emotionally, that he'd, that your firstborn son had, had died? Um, though there was no relationship between me and him, because by the time he was born, I was still scared. And I thought him passing on, I thought he saw me that I was not fit to be his to be his mother, though I was devastated because um, on the other side I I was I think I was going to be ready to be his mother. Mm. You would go on to have two more children, beautiful children, beautiful children, very. And then you moved to Cape Town. Yes, I moved to Cape Town, thinking that um, everything that happened in the past was going to be left in Eastern Cape, not knowing that. The pain was still inside and was still going to um, destroy everything, even in Cape Town, everything I touch. And it's in Cape Town that you really, your depression comes to the fore. Yes, that's when I was diagnosed of depression. I think it was two years back when I was diagnosed. Just two years ago? Yes, but at that time I was I was in denial because when the doctor said to me, you have depression, 
And I was like, I've been feeling like this for as far as I can remember. So I don't understand now when you say I have depression. So I was being in denial. Mm-hmm. Why is it important for you to recognize that now and to speak about it? To recognize? That you are somebody that has depression, that lives with depression. I think it didn't get better because I was in denial. I think it get, it got worse to a point where I become suicidal. I was always suicidal, but it became worse. And my marriage as well was also affected because the depression was, was present in my marriage. Mm. And it was present. Um, I was not able to love my kids as well. So I, I thought, let me... Let me uh, dig more and understand what depression is and then get help that I needed. How much has writing the book been a process of your healing? Sorry? How much has writing the book been a process of your healing? It, it has helped me a lot. Um, I started the book. I was still very scared to talk about what happened. You know, when you say I'm raped or I was raped, um, those words, you can't even utter them. It's like you, you're saying something totally different. But Writing the book helped me to understand that I was raped. And it it also helped me to understand because, like I said, at that time I was eight and I was very young to know all the feelings that I went through. So writing the book has helped me to, to define what I went through, like how uh, the feelings that I, the, all the stages that I went through. Your uncle died, your aunt died, your grandfather died, your your, grandf- My grandmother your grandmother died. died. Yes. And they all went to their graves without ever knowing. Yes. Do you regret that at all? Do you wish you had told them? I wish I told my aunt. Now that I'm older, I understand that she was going to stand up for me. Mm. But uh, I don't regret. Sometimes I don't regret that my, my I mean, his husband died. Mm. Her husband died. Yeah, it's. I don't regret that. The book is called Unleashing Pain, The Changing Gears. Um, I would recommend that everyone get a copy. Where can people get books from you? Yes, I sell the book privately. I do postage around Cape Town and outside Cape Town I, I do delivery. Sorry, I do postage. Okay. So where can people get hold of the book? How do they how do they do that? I have a WhatsApp line. Um, can I? Mm, yeah. Absolutely. The WhatsApp line is 073-570-2014. And they can also get me on my social media, on Facebook. I'm Nunzuki Sotibela. I, as I said, I read straight through this book. I didn't put it down once, maybe just to go to the loo. Uh, and uh, it's a really powerful, powerful book and a testament to, to you coming out the, the other end. I have to say the most powerful part of the book for me, and there were many, is the last part where you write a letter to your depression. And as somebody who also suffers from depression, I was very emotional reading it. Yes, I had to write a letter. I think I was finished writing a book, and then I thought, let me let me open this page. Let me write a letter to, to my depression, knowing that I will never walk that path again. So um, I had to say something. I had to say something. How does it feel now the book is out there and in your hands? It's not a bad feeling, is it? No, it's not a bad <laughs> feeling. I thought it was going to be a bad feeling, but no. It didn't. Yeah, it feels pretty good. Very good. Yeah. Is there another one coming? 
Not yet, but I would love to. I would love to write another book uh, based on my depression and the experience I went through, the treatment, people who supported me, and how I overcome it. Then I would love to write a book about that one. Well, congratulations on your first book. It's called Unleashing Pain, The Changing Gears. Nonsuki Solubella, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me.